0: Hello and welcome to Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week by the man from Pittsburgh, Massachusetts, USA, Shane Reeves. Oh,
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm coming off of a great weekend. I mean, I had just an outstanding birthday weekend. We went to Tunica. On Friday, we had fun gambling down there.
0: Did you come back with with more than you left with? No, um, tunica's ruined until all this COVID stuff's over. Oh, the three people at a table just...
1: Well, it's not only three people at a table. They got plexiglass, so you're in your own little pod. (laughs) That's it gonna just,
0: make the cigar smoking really weird. Well,
1: there is no cigar smoking because if you smoke, they want you to lower your mask, take a puff, blow it out, and pull the mask back up. Oh my god. So there is no cigar smoking. That explains in why you guys cut it early. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. I mean, we had fun. We went ahead and we went up, we left the gold strike and went to the horseshoe, and they were a little more lax. You still had to wear the mask. Yeah. But they were at least you weren't in pot, the land of the pod people. But then Sunday went fishing and caught a bunch of fish on my birthday and had a lot of fun with that. And then Monday we had our annual viewing of The Quiet Man, and I drank my annual two-thirds of a Guinness.
0: And you're, <laughs> and you're good till next March. And I'm, I'm good till next March. I,
1: that's, that's pretty much all the Guinness I need <laughs> until next St. Patrick's Day. And I, I like Guinness
0: I just, as much as I like any beer. Right. I'm just not a beer guy. But for someone who isn't a beer drinker, I can see why Guinness would have some appeal. You know, it's it's sweeter than it is bitter. It, it's got a unique texture that most beers don't. Because you're not much of a soda guy either, so that because no. it's that carbonation thing, so the nitrous, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, it's not. I'm I'm not much on any of that type thing.
0: Right. So. But anyway, I'm very excited about our cigar tonight, and you provided our cigar tonight. That's awesome. And I've not had one of these yet. I wow. had the opportunity to buy three of them, smoke one earlier, and then but I didn't. I didn't do that. Uh, we talked about this cigar on the show when it was announced, I think just a couple of weeks ago, that they were shipping. Um, this is the second cigar that I'm aware of that uses Enduyo tobacco. This is the CAO Mortal Coil.
1: And this is part of the Arcana series, which they're going to—they're using to highlight different means of tobacco. I'm actually looking forward a lot to this series coming out.
0: I am too. This is the first release in that series, similar to what they did with the Amazon Basin series, where they highlight highlighted different types of tobacco from Brazil. Uh, this is going to, you know, be a continued series where they're all going to share some, like, some similar characteristics but aren't going to be necess- but they are going to highlight different aspects so it's got a Dominican Anduyo filler there's also Honduran tobacco from the Hamastron Valley Nicaraguan from Esteli and Dominican Peloto Cubano so there's a lot going on it's all wrapped in a Connecticut shade binder and finished with a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper so you know a rich complex recipe on paper I'm going to be really interested to see how this comes across
1: well, if you know, on the cold draw, I took the cold draw before the show, and on the cold draw, it had a lot of sweetness to it. And then on first light, I'm getting some of that sweetness. Um, it's very aromatic. It's probably as aromatic as, as a CAO as I've had. You know, it kind of gives you that feel.
0: You know, I have always known that the ADN had enduo tobacco, and I attributed part of my love for that cigar to the enduo tobacco. And I knew it had... Some unique characteristics, but it wasn't until lighting this one that I can actually say now definitively I understand what that flavor is. It's coming across in this cigar just like it does in the ADN. There's other flavors around it. It's not an identical cigar by any stretch of the imagination, but having that other, having that second. Uh, iteration allows me to really identify, okay, that's the flavor that I'm getting from the Anduio.
1: This is far more complex than the ADN is. Mm-hmm. And I like the ADN. I'm not criticizing the ADN, but I can taste a lot of complexity in this cigar that I don't get out of the, day, the ADN. Yeah. And I'll, it's a tight roll, um, not a very toothy wrapper, a real smooth wrapper, um,
0: I wonder if the Anduyo is just a tighter roll. You notice your Anduyo cigars are just hard. Yeah, that that is my only complaint with the ADN is the fact that half the time it's it's almost too tight to draw through. And I, you're, you're right. I, I think that may have something to do with it. Now, I was talking to somebody who has already smoked this cigar and said it really did remind them of the uh, of the Amazon Basin series, uh, or of the of the Amazon Basin itself was the was the specific one.
1: Well, you can tell, you know, Rick Rodriguez blended it, and Rick's pretty good. Rick Rodriguez, when he's good, he's real good, mm-hmm. and when he's bad, he's real bad. He's not a Willie Herrera that I can say everything he blends I'm going to like. Right. But he's pretty good. When he does well, he really does well. Absolutely. And I can definitely say that about it. So I'm, gonna, I'm really going to enjoy smoking this. This is just absolutely the cigar I wanted tonight. So um, when when you texted and said you had our stick, I, I really hoped it was this one because I'd seen on Casa's website where they had it.
0: Yeah, I shirked my lunch uh, today just to pick this cigar up. That's how that's how much I wanted to get a hold of it. I do. Before we move on, I want to highlight one thing that I really like about this cigar. That's just me being a little silly. Is the it's called the Mortal Coil. The band is actually a single long piece of paper wrapped coil style around it. Uh, probably two or three times full circle around that. And I just I think that's really just a nice attention to detail from the marketing department over at General.
1: It is. And, you know, General does a lot of stuff. Well, I think General kind of gets shoved off by a lot of people because they are the big guy. But they still put out a lot of great cigars.
0: They do. And I think it comes from the fact that we talk about often on this show that these are an artisanal product. You know, cigars are an art as much as they are an agricultural product, and I think you can, you can, if you find yourself as a small fish in this pond of being an upstart boutique, whatever, it can be really easy to turn your nose up at the people with big budgets and large resources at saying, "Well, yeah, but they're they sold out." You know, much like the artists who get paid two million dollars to paint a mural for the city, it's like, "Well, is that really art at this point?" And I, I think that's where some of that comes from. But you cannot deny that they are doing innovative things. They're making cigars that draw well, constructed well, taste good.
1: Sorry, my headphones died in the middle of you saying that. I had to jiggle the cord again. (laughs) No, I think we got headphones that have a short in them. But, yeah, but, you know, and small companies can still have plenty of backing. It's all a matter of, you know, most of the time it's not a lack of funds that keeps a small company from doing things. It's a you know, the big company just they they don't have as much time to give detail. That's why sometimes you know, your boutique cigars are usually better. Yeah, but this is excellent. I mean, this is just excellent. I've had the retro hell, I love the retro hell. Like I said, I'm I'm aromatic, I'm I'm feeling a lot of aromatic tobacco in this cigar and all. But speaking of small companies with big but with big resources. McAuliffe Cigars Acts to Protect Brick-and-Mortar Authorized Dealers Issues a cease and desist Letter to to Pravada Cigar Club.
0: I love this article. I found out about this just through watching it unfold in the McAuliffe Ambassadors Facebook group. Essentially, what happened—so, we talked uh, several months ago on the show about how McAuliffe said, online is going away, we're protecting our brick-and-mortar, And we're going to set up a network so that no matter where you are, you can still get them, but you're going to get them through our brick and mortars and and we're shutting it down. Well, so they find out that Provada Cigar Club is selling their cigars, but they don't have an account with them. And in addition to that, they're selling them in their online store. And so they um, they sent an email kind of to Provada, sig- uh, clarifying their business model, seeking to resolve the issue and just say, hey, like, let, we can work something out if this is what you want to do. But right now, you're outside of the way we do business. And um, Dan Thompson, president of McAuliffe, said, we aggressively protect our brick and mortar dealers. We will not tolerate rogue businesses who try to profit on our brand at the expense of our value partners. And they issued a cease and desist letter. Uh, and I did find this uh, interesting. The cease and desist letter also included uh, a, an offer to buy back the product. I mean, talk about a company that's doing everything they can to protect their their partners, but they're not even, you know, and, and really doing this guy a favor. Um, yeah,
1: it's not like they're saying, hey, we've deemed you unfit to sell our cigars. We're not going to let you do it. It's, hey, there's a right way to do this. And you need to get on board. Yeah, you know, there is a right way and there is a wrong way. And here's the thing it's a better deal for him to go through the McAuliffe program.
0: Exactly. Um, I did find this interesting, and, it, and it's, um, it makes me think a lot less of Brian Descend, I guess is how you pronounce his last name, the owner of Provada Lock, uh, Cigar Club. An email was sent to them displaying Marcus's business model, seeking probably yada, yada, yada. The owner declined to meet with McAuliffe Cigars unless his unacceptable conditions were met. It doesn't outline what those conditions were, but, like, come on. Yeah, it's You're the one trading on this company's intellectual property and right. profiting off of it. They told you to stop, and your response is going to be to double down and just increase the jerk level? No.
1: Yeah, it's it's one of those things that some people, you know, we're going to talk about how to be— how to not be miserable mm. in the second half of the show. I know that's a broad topic, but we have some specific ways to get there. Don't be this guy is one of those. This is not a happy person. <laughs> this is, you know, because McAuliffe is going to work with you. They they have the product. They want you to sell the product, but they don't want you to sell it online. It's simple. Yeah. And also, okay, moving on. Let's talk about a couple of new cigars real quick. All righty. Brickhouse Begins T.A.A. Exclusive Original Aged Blend. So the T.A.A. Exclusive this year is called the Brickhouse Beginnings. And these are not new blends. Rolled cigars
0: aged for 10 years. All right, we talked about this last week. I think it's hilarious how much you refuse to believe that any company would do this.
1: Nobody... In 2011, said, "Hey, why don't you go ahead and roll those boxes of cigars over there, and we're just going to pay rent on them for for 10 years. We're going to sell those in 2021. Okay, in 2021, there's no way they had, an, if they would even still be selling cigars, and there's no way they paid rent on these cigars and are selling them for nine dollars and eighty
0: cents a stick. Okay. Well, I mean, when you consider how much higher that is percentage-wise than their regular label stuff." I mean is a percentage of, of what the regular ones cost about seven bucks, is it at this point? Yeah, seven or eight bucks. Yeah. So adding adding two bucks on top of that's a pretty pretty steep increase when you think about it in those terms. Anyway, you've also got to think, this is this is JC Newman. I mean, talking about resources. They've got them. They own the building. I mean yes, I realize every square foot, whether you own it or rent, still has a, a dollar value assigned to it but i no i think it's very conceivable you've got to think 2011 was pre-fda mess and business and and the cigar business was was doing well and there was also we're going to talk about sort of trends in the industry later on tonight but there was a trend towards aging around this time so i can absolutely see We've, we've got this unused warehouse space that we can recoup our money spent. I mean, because we're only talking about a TAA exclusive, so it's, what, you know, a couple of hundred boxes. It's not like they, they're doing a full release.
1: Well, I'm going to have to get one of these, even if I have to drive to Chattanooga to get one. I'm going to get one of these and smoke it, and I hope that it tastes—I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that it does taste like it's been aged for 10 years. But I just I don't need the gimmick. I don't need the aged for ten years gimmick. I always feel like that that's what they're doing is they're just gimmicking it up and saying, oh yeah, let's tell them that, you know this is aged for ten years. How about somebody wrote down the recipe
0: ten years ago? Right. So, I'm. I just had a a million dollar business idea. So you know when you're making soup, right? And you got to boil the whole chicken, and it's going to take three hours because that's you know you're doing the whole thing from scratch. So what do you do? pop it in your pressure cooker and now you only have to cook it for 20 minutes and it's perfect fall apart there's gotta be a way we can fake aging on cigars put them in an autoclave or a pressure cooker or a, a dehydrator but put nothing but but 70% humidity air <laughs> and just pressure through. cook them and just there's gotta be something there's gotta be a way you could do this
1: well but I think you'd have to you know cause what it is is it's the tobacco's breaking down and the oil's mixing mm-hmm. So there yeah I'm kind of like you, there would have to be a way to, to I think
0: we need to figure this accelerate
1: out. that process, yeah, but the purist would still not buy it yeah, even but if we would tell anybody Well, that's, but that's the thing, then we couldn't gimmick it that we 're selling ten year old
0: cigars we could uh, you just have to be very delicate with the language, you know, um, age tobacco, compare with you know all of those things that you don't ever have to you don't ever actually have to say this has been aged for ten years. To make people believe that it's got 10 years worth of age on it. That's true. I've,
1: it's I not s- like
0: wine bottles that have the date printed on them.
1: Okay. Well, speaking of gimmicky cigars, United Cigars launching Stadium Series with the Asylum
0: Green Monster. I absolutely love this. I'm a huge baseball fan, and even though I'm not a Boston Red Sox fan, I still appreciate the team i appreciate you know i was watching when they beat the yankees in 2004 uh to go on to the, to win the world series i uh, fell in love with the city of boston when i visited last year or two years ago now um i think they picked a great place to start i love the idea of highlighting america's pastime if you can still call it that Uh, I cannot wait. This will be the first time I've ever sought out an Asylum cigar, but I will smoke one of these. So, Asylum cigars.
1: Um, I've had some really good ones. I've had some not-so-good ones, but not typically a cigar I reach for. Right. I've had a couple. Was never blown away. You know, the straight jacket's pretty good. Um, Early in my palate, the Ogre,
0: I enjoyed But as my palate evolved, I kind of evolved away from that. Right. I remember you were smoking that when we first started doing the show, and I haven't seen you smoke one in years.
1: Yeah, it's just, um, it was, as my palate evolved, I kind of evolved out of that kind of the one note chord, if you will, Mm -hmm. that is the way they blend cigars. But this is a neat deal. Um, You know, there's a lot of baseball fans out there, and I'm not a big sports guy anyway. But... They're doing it in boxes of nine for the nine innings, which is a cool thing. And the little and the box is pretty cool. It's one of those things you can pick up. Here's my problem. If you're going to sell a cigar for a ballpark, should you not be able to smoke
0: that cigar there? I mean, in a perfect world, yes. that would You should have, been, the, should you should not have be done this 20 years ago.
1: Well, could there not be a lounge somewhere? I mean, the ballpark's wide open. Could you not
0: have somewhere that somebody could go smoke a cigar? I still think you should be able to smoke in an outdoor stadium we're outside.
1: I agree, except for the fact that they've put the seats, you know, they're wanting to put a butt every 18 inches. True. And the seats and, are so close together. And that as
0: we talked about on the show before, I don't like smoking around kids.
1: Right. So, yeah, but they could have a section. Okay, we're going to produce this particular cigar, and down here's the smoking lounge. Yeah, exactly. Or and at
0: least still let there. I think there are, is still a patio in most stadiums somewhere where all the smokers congregate during the seventh inning stretch. But yeah, um, it only comes in a six by sixty and a seven by se- seventy. So I am a little disappointed that it's not a, a size that I would particularly or, or typically go for. But I am still super excited. And nine bucks a hit, like that's that's a great deal. Okay, I'm going to
1: jump our schedule here because you mentioned the seven by seventy. Okay. Asylum was the first cigar company that, at the time I started smoking cigars, really made the big ring gauge cigars that I liked. Right. And I'll admit, the reason I liked big ring gauge cigars was that I only wanted to smoke one a night, but I wanted all the cigar I could get. Right. I would probably smoke. By the time you smoke a 770, is that not equal to two Toros? Pretty easy. Yeah. If not in excess, all you've really sacrificed is flavor.
0: Yeah. Well, (laughs) but if you're early on and you don't have a really refined palate, you don't know what you're missing.
1: Yeah, if you're just getting the nicotine and the flavor and enjoying the company and sitting around, it's not a bad deal. Yeah. And all. But Cigar Aficionado did an article A Timeline of Fat Ring Gauge Cigars. Can we not call them large ring gauge cigars in this culture? <laughs> Must they be called fat? <laughs> and all. So this was an interesting. Um, interesting article that they put up. That They put up. It, they originally put an article called Supersize My Cigar. I'm glad they decided to change that. But they're kind of detailing, because this is a big ring gauge cigar shop we're sitting in. Right.
0: You know, they sell a lot of big ring gauge cigars here. There's a lot of regionality in that. Uh, Atlanta sells a lot of big ring cigars as well. I, I don't know if it's widely a Southeast thing. I think Uh, You you get a lot more new cigar smokers down here, Uh, whereas if you go up to New England, you you still see a lot of the smaller ring gauges just because that's what the people's dads and granddads and great-granddads all smoked. And so I, I do think there's a certain regionality.
1: Well, and a big ring gauge cigar is a commitment. You're committing that, you know, I've got a couple of hours. You know, I have... Some of the Don Gonzaleses that are 64s, they're 6, six and a half by 64s. Yeah. And on their torpedo, so I don't feel like I've got to unhinge my jaw to smoke it. But it's a two-hour smoke. Mm-hmm. And you have to have a certain amount of time. Now, if you're driving to Tunica and you're stuck in traffic, it's a perfect time for one of those. Exactly. And all. but So 1987, Honduran brand Cuba Aliados. Released a novelty called The General, which was 18 inches long and six ring gauge. Sixty-six ring gauge. Or excuse me, sixty-six ring gauge. That's a monster. That's a stick of stove wood, man. Yeah. I would feel silly
0: smoking that. You'd have to smoke it with two hands.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would feel silly if I was sitting, and if you were sitting in a cigar lounge as somebody pulls one of them out and starts smoking it, you immediately are going to think differently of that human being.
0: <laughs> Bust that one out on the uh, first date. Hey, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> Take a look at this, honey. And
1: all, um, 94, Puros Indius. Um, they created the Chief, which is the same size, 18 by 66. So apparently it was successful, so they decided to do another blend.
0: <laughs> what was it imitation is the sincerest form of flattery?
1: But then we took kind of a jump. Um, I'm not gonna to chase it too much. I'm gonna hit the high points. Uh, 95. Stanford Newman, the patriarch of J.C. Newman, celebrates the company's 100th anniversary in a ring gauge of uh, with the diamond crown and a ring gauge of at least 54.
0: Which was big for that time. Well, and then they move on to 97 when EP Correa first came out with the La Gloria Cubana Serie R. Now, here's what's funny about this, is that it was only offered in 52 and 54 ring gauges. I remember when this cigar hit the market. Um, no, I don't. That was 97. I hadn't started smoking yet. But they, they, they re-released it later um, in a 60. And I re- so I was, I was reading this article looking back and going, I remember it being bigger than that. So it's just, it's interesting that in the matter of four years, they went from 54 ring all the way up to 60.
1: Well, and it's interesting that it started out as a novelty and then they, they actually realized, okay, wait, there's a market for a 60 ring gauge cigar. Um, I think the one I really, you know, okay. 2005, a curiously named brand called XL for Men by Oliveros. We talk about how terrible some, you know, how naming stuff really matters. That may be, that may hold the record. Yeah. That may be the knee leader in the clubhouse. XL for Men. Nothing about that makes me want to smoke this cigar. Absolutely not. That just absolutely no. And I'll, um, Altadiste, they decided to chime in in 2006 with the St. Louis Ray Series G. That's,
0: okay, I was, that's the cigar I remember, not the Serie R, not the La Gloria. It was the St. Louis Ray. I smoked boxes worth of that cigar.
1: Now, this is the interesting part. 2011, Drew, and St- Drew Estate
0: makes the What? I, I think this is so funny because they didn't. They made the My Uzi ways a ton, which, which, but the reason I say that and I make that distinction is because I don't think they're the same cigar. The branding is similar. The packaging is the same, but it doesn't taste the same. When, when the Myuzi weighs a Ton first came out, I, I loved that cigar. And I don't get the same flavor. I don't get the same out of it now that I used to. And I'm, I'm convinced that they changed that.
1: Well, I remember when the Inch come out. And it's a, it was a um, 64 ring gauge. It came out in 2012. And I remember when the EP Creo Edge came out, and that was a big cigar release. A lot of people, hey, have you smoked the Inch yet? Right. It kind of became a, a badge of honor. And, I'll, and if you had asked me before I looked at this wit- list which came first, the Uzi or the Inch, I'd have said the Inch. Interesting. I mean, I've I never seen the big ring gauges really
0: come on the shelves till the Inch yet. Yeah. What the, one of the things that I'm surprised that didn't make this list was the nub. Because for me, that was really where the big ring gauge thing kind of took off. It was when Oliva came out and they said, all right, we're going to make big ring gauge but short form factor cigars. And we're going to kind of, you know, navigate you through this increased complexity, but a shorter smoke time. I don't think they actually hit the nail on the head with that one, but. Well, my problem with the nub was always construction. Their construction to me never really held up. Um, Well, there was probably a reason that nobody uh, made that cigar in that that size prior to that.
1: Yeah, I I think Oliva tried to step into that market and tried to create a niche and ended up kind of stumbling a little with the nub. But they still make them and they still sell. They do. And there is a place I do enjoy, you know, the Rocky Patel B-52. Yeah. It's, again, short cigar, fat ring gauge. The Don Pedro Fat Boy, short cigar, big ring gauge. And, I'll, and there is a time for that when you want that complexity. Now, here's my question. Is it easier to blend a complex cigar in a fat ring gauge, or can you actually do things in a fatter ring gauge that you can't do in a Toro? Is it a matter of ease? Is it a matter of craftsmanship, or is it just
0: physics? I have never smoked a 6 by 60 of a cigar that I had also smoked Smoked a smaller one, where I thought the 6 by 60 was the better, more complex cigar. I haven't done it. Now, that's not to say... Because I, I, your premise is sound. You've got more real estate to play around with different blends, different leaves, and that sort of thing. The problem comes from the fact that the filler is what makes up the large, largest percentage of the cigar at that point. So I do think... The smaller cigars have a chance to lend more complexity because there's, there's more opportunity. It's a string quartet versus a full, full orchestra. And um, so I don't know, but I would be interested.
1: Well, you know, I bought a box of the Edge Howitzer when it came out. Nish Patel actually came here to the shop, and I bought a box of them, a box of 10. But about five years of age on those, and they died. Mm-hmm. There was no flavor. I've got some at the house, and that's the one cigar
0: that did not age well. And I think it's because, like you were talking, you know, when you talk about aging cigars, what you're talking about is those flavors. It's it's like leaving chili or spaghetti sauce in the fridge overnight. And, you know, it's always better the next day because those flavors have had a chance to intermingle and really work off of one another. But if you're starting with a cigar that's already a little low on the complexity scale, which... I you know, I like the edge line too, but they're not complex cigars. Oh no. And so I, I can absolutely see how you take you knock off the high notes and the low notes from the individual leaves and you're just in you just left with a pop song.
1: Well and too much fill Too many times when they go for the ring gauge and I understand cigars are like cooking. If you want to make a double batch of brownies you don't necessarily double the ingredients. Right. You have to you know, you have to balance it. But I think they just stuff a lot of filler into some of these big ring gauge
0: cigars. And some of that comes from an economy of scale. You know, if you were trying to blend a 6x60 six to have the same level of complexity as a Corona, it would require so much of that more expensive tobacco. We we were pricing out tobacco leaves last week. It would become cost prohibitive, I think, at a certain point.
1: But I will say, you know, the they hit the 2019, the JFR the lunatic loco five and a half by 80 i've smoked one of these i've still got one of these at home that i'm saving to smoke on the show i enjoy that cigar and i enjoy the jfr lunatic jackhammer the 60 the 8 by 60 a lot of times i'll smoke that when i know i'm gonna be here for a couple of hours watching a football game um the lfd digger is another six eight by 60 great cigar and also, it can be done well. I'm surprised that didn't make the
0: list. It did. It's in here. Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, it, it's in here. Um, Lito Gomez. 2011. Has, 2011, yeah. But the, and most of the time, your long ring, your big cigar like that, um, I'd say LFD is probably the most popular of those.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, we have a guy at Big Boys that comes in. He sits down. He buys two LFD diggers. And sits there and smokes them both with his headphones on, watching a movie, doesn't talk to another soul. <laughs> really weird. And uh, my, my inner Labrador wants to go over there and say something to him. But, he, but he's got Hi, his he can be up. my friend. Yeah, but he's got his shields up. I'm, I respect right. that. But so the Arcana's awesome. Yeah, I'm really digging <laughs> it. I mean, I just, I really, um, I haven't had a cigar hit me this well in a long
0: time. It's offering up flavors that i wasn't expecting and it and complexity that i wasn't prepared for i don't know i mean i had some pretty high expectations of this but it's meeting all of them
1: does this only come in one size as far as i know i'm I'm pulling up the article and all because i want to see if this comes in other sizes but i don't think it does yeah it's a six and an eight by 50 toro and that's the only size they offer it in but I can understand that because this is perfect the way they have it blended. Yeah, absolutely. I, can, I don't think it could be bigger and sm- or smaller and really
0: give us the justice. Right, absolutely. Well, let's step away for a break real quick. We're we'll running a little long in the first half, um, but we'll, we'll be back with lots more after this.
1: Welcome back to the Cigar Cast, this is one of your hosts Shane, sitting across from the man, I love that you wait on the bump joke with bated
0: breath every day, (laughs) you know this is because we we were talking about it earlier today and so now I'm just waiting,
1: the man whose safe word is meatloaf because he'll do anything for love but he won't do that, Mr. Trey Deadman. (laughs) I feel like you've done something similar to
0: that one before.
1: Have I done that? Have I done something along those lines? I, I think you have. Well, old song lyrics is kind of one of my go-tos. Right. I mean, okay, so let's talk about the squirrel in the room. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell tell of your of your desire to end this squirrel's existence. So... I'll try and make this brief because it's a it's, it's an ongoing saga, but the, the, sh- the short version is uh, found a squirrel had taken up residence in our shed, and anybody who has ever had an outbuilding like that or even an attic that a squirrel has gotten into, you know what kind of havoc they can wreak. We've got a deep freezer out there. I've got my tool chest out there. We've got lots of things that have power cords to be chewed through. We've got... You know, camping equipment, fishing equipment, all stuff that a squirrel would just make a nest out of and make a mess. We've already got squirrel turds all over the place. Like, its we need to fix this. Anybody who's also ever tried to live trap a squirrel knows what a foregone conclusion that is. Virtually impossible. Virtually impossible. Well, I live in a community with a, a fairly stout HOA. And they would not take kindly to me shooting this thing right off my back porch. So I said, ooh, I'll get a BB gun. They're basically silent. I, you know, I, I, as long as I clear, like, you know, knowing my neighborhood, I'm not going to hit a neighbor's house. Like, we'll be fine. Sure. Well, the wife put the kibosh on that real quick. Said, no, you're not getting a BB gun. The HOA would have a fit. I said, okay, you're right. But we can't do a life trap. And I'm just sitting there thinking about how I'm going to get this squirrel out of our shed. And I go, huh? I can get a blowgun and my wife rolls her eyes and she laughs at me and she tells, uh, tells me how I'm going to kill myself. Cause it's going to escalate to the point where I'm using poison tip darts, which is absolutely spot on how this is going to go. But she never said no. And, and I even point so out I, to I got, her,
1: I've got to stop you for a minute. That's a veteran move as a married guy. If she don't say no, There's still that, you know, she may, she can throw a fit, but if it's
0: no is not uttered, you're still in the clear. I even, I even countered that veteran move with a rookie move, and I pointed it out to her that she didn't say no. And she laughed at me and still didn't say no. So last Sunday, my blowgun arrived. (laughs) And I got it sighted in. And from about 25 feet, I can hit about a quarter-sized grouping. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good based on the layout of, of the terrain. She is convinced she's going to come home from work one day, and I'm either going to have a little uh, hole out of the screen from the— <laughs> From the dark? From from the—no, um, to stick the barrel through, because my office is on the second floor. Oh, okay. So I'm going to sit there working, but keeping one eye on the squirrel, waiting for it to pop its head out. Either that, or go full ghillie suit underneath the tarp that covers her patio furniture, just waiting for it.
1: <laughs> well, you sent me a picture earlier this week, and you were in actually in there working, stalking your prey. Yeah. And I
0: said you needed to dress like an old ladder or something so that you would blend in. <laughs> yeah, I ha- well, because we have we have security cameras on the property just <laughs> <Carry on. laughs> just for for regular home security. But one of, my, one of my cameras gives me a clear shot into where this thing goes. So I know it's, So from where I sit in my office, I can't see out the window. but I have, So I have my computer pulled up with, with the live stream from my camera so that I could watch for movement.
1: So I'm reminded of a time that a buddy of mine went squirrel hunting. And he was sitting there and a squirrel stuck its head up over a tree. He threw up his gun and shot, and then he sat there for a few minutes, and the squirrel stuck its head back up. He shot again. Squirrel stuck its head back up. He shot again. He went, and there were eight squirrels laying dead behind that tree <laughs> by the time this was done. <laughs> so I'm wondering if that if there's going to be a repeat performance, if you're going to start shooting squirrels, and they're going to keep, keep coming out of there
0: well, like a clown car full of squirrels. So uh, two weekends ago... Uh, As this is airing, I was when we first learned about the squirrel and it let me get within about a foot and a half, two feet of, I'm going to say her at this point and was yelling at me and hissing and growling and doing all those other squirrel noises. So I'm convinced it's a female. Right. It's nesting. So that's why we got to get on this quick. I'm spending my entire weekend this weekend just camping out, waiting for Stalking this son squirrel. of a... squirrel. Because, b- because the last thing we want to have happen is it have squirrel babies in our shed. Yes. And yeah. ideally, I'd like to catch her before she gets pregnant with the squirrel babies because then I've got an ethical dilemma over whether or not it's okay to kill the squirrel.
1: Uh, well, well,
0: first and foremost, determining whether or not a squirrel's pregnant it's is pretty difficult. It, well, it, it it comes down to the autopsy. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you, but you do plan to eat the squirrel. Absolutely, I wouldn't dare dishonor the squirrel by by just chucking it in the trash. Put it on a put it on a stick. Grape. Oh yeah, I'm gonna put a little grape in its mouth and just roast it over the spit. Oh, absolutely, I'm gonna gonna uh, put the the blood under the eyes like the <laughs> like the war paint. I mean, it, it, it's getting barbaric in my house.
1: <laughs> I, can, I, I see this whole scenario folding out in some sort of a custody hearing in your near future. <laughs> well, luckily,
0: I'll... no one listens to this show, so it's
1: fine. <laughs> oh, okay, so that's no problem. <laughs> cigar brand offers free cigar roller feature for cigar-friendly restaurants, bars, and retailers in the U.S. that I... were hurt in 2020.
0: So my biggest takeaway from this article was the fact that there are still cigar-friendly restaurants in the U.S.
1: Well, Petro does a dinner at an Italian place down in um, Huntsville, and they, they bring the roller in the Well, and it just so happens all to be that. owned
0: by the same guy that owns a cigar shop. <laughs> well,
1: sure, sure. There's, there's a little confluence there. But, okay,
0: is this not the way of the future? I think it is. This is guerrilla marketing in a way. This is meeting people where they are.
1: Well, you know, years ago when I first met Pedro, we talked about that because he said, you know, I could spend $10,000 on an article in Cigar Aficionado, or I can do this and go out and meet my customers, shake their hand, put a cigar in their hand, and make, instead of a guy that's going to try your cigar tonight, I can make a friend that's going to want my cigars. And to Pedro's credit. He texts me every Christmas. He texts me on New Year's. He texts me on my birthday. Pedro always stays right on top of texting me. Now, I'm I'm sure he doesn't do this for every customer that he's met, but I bet there's more than you would think. I bet he spends more time than you would think just texting people, hey, happy birthday, hope you and your family are doing well. Right. And And when he comes to town, that's what lets us do things like, you know, have big rolling events and bring all the friends and do everything like that. I think this is a valid business. I really do. I think it, there's a lot of times for a bachelor party, renting out a cigar roller and all, for even a wedding. You, If you could have rented a cigar roller for your wedding, do you think you could have got that through the approval process?
0: Uh, y- yes, but, I mean, we... So here here's the problem with with weddings and and trying to put too much of your tastes and enjoyments and hobbies and things like that in involved like we even had a little area on the on the patio out away from where the reception was where we all were able to enjoy cigars. But when it's your wedding, you don't get time to enjoy that stuff. So yeah, I probably could have finagled having a roller there, but I wouldn't have gotten to enjoy it.
1: So is it the better move to have... You
0: at the know, rehearsal dinner.
1: At the rehearsal dinner, I think. That way everybody can really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, there's usually less of an agenda. It, the There's usually not a hard stop point. Most venues these days have a hard, like, you've got to stop by this point so that we can get cleared up and 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 broken down and, and get out. So, whereas with the rehearsal dinner, it's usually a little bit more relaxed. It's a little more, you know, so I think... I think that's where you do this.
1: Well, and Pedro even did a golf tournament a couple of years ago up here, cigars for warrior. It was a wounded warriors golf tournament, and he sponsored a hole and had his roller sitting there at the hole, so the guys come up could get a fresh cigar. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So this is I think this is a big market. I think there's a lot of value. I think if I was going to launch the Venomous Duck brand, this is how I would want to launch it. I would want to have a roller that okay. You're the public face, um, teach him English so that he can talk to people, get you an English-speaking roller. Because that's that's kind of the barrier with Pedro's rollers is they don't speak English. Right. And and you kind of – it would be nice if you could talk.
0: It it would be, but it also is – I think in a way kind of smart for Pedro because that allows him to be the, still the face of the brand and to have the conversations and allows, because, I mean, we've seen him do those rolling events. He doesn't leave with leftover cigars. That roller is working the whole time. Oh yeah. So if he was sitting there having to chit-chat with every Tom Dick and Harry that thinks they know better how to roll a cigar than this guy, it's going to slow him down.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, but I think this is a definite viable business because a cigar is a taste of the good life. It's a little bit of time just to be happy, just to enjoy yourself. Just, it's, it's just a taste of the good life. And kind of adding that to your event is, just, is really adding something cool. Yeah. And also, I texted you this morning about a topic. Was we thought we were going to be thin on material. And But I I do like to have a topic. I do like to talk about something other than just straight-up cigars on the podcast. And squirrels. And squirrel killing. And uh, it's interesting how many people you see in the cigar shop. There are a lot of, I'd say 85% are just happy people, fun to hang out with, having a good time. I'd say the ratio is about there, yeah. I'd say 85%, but you always have that couple that are just kind of miserable people. Mm Mm-hmm. And I always wonder, I'm I'm really blessed in life. I'm a very happy person. And all and I have a lot of good reason to be. I have a great job. I have a great wife. I have you know, I have a lot of things that I really get to enjoy in my life. And this weekend for my birthday, and let me tell everybody this. Celebrate your birthday. People have kind of fell away from celebrating their birthday and saying, Oh, it's just another day. You know, today is my brother's birthday. Happy birthday to my brother. Um But for him, it's just another day. Yeah. For me, it started on Tuesday. My wife brought a cake to the poker game, Mm. and everybody, you know, pat you on the back, have a piece of cake with you. Super small investment for the amount of joy that come out of that that particular instance. We went to Tunica, spent a little time together, just her and I doing our thing there.
0: Between the plexiglass like you're in prison.
1: Yeah, between the pods. (laughs) But... Well, when we moved over to the horseshoe, thankfully, they didn't have the pods, and we were actually able to sit there. We still couldn't smoke a cigar, which kind of sucked. but we did enjoy that, and then Sunday went fishing, enjoyed time with my parents and a buddy down there fishing, and even Monday night watching the quiet man of all the guys. I kind of had the perfect birthday weekend
0: right, and it didn't cost very little yeah well and that's like I've never been much of a birthday guy, and um so, but that's one of the things that my wife does really well. Like even, you know, we started dating just a couple of months before my birthday. And, but, but since day one, so to speak, you know, she's always done a really good job of making sure I feel celebrated on my birthday. And it's something that I didn't realize I wanted or, or was missing, but I do think it's where, you know, Patton Oswald has a joke or his, a whole bit, you know, about birthdays, about how, you know, from one to 10, you get a birthday, you know? Because you're a little kid. Kids get birthdays. And then then it kind of goes through like uh, 11. No, who cares? You know, 10, it's your first year in double digits. Like 12, it's your last before you become a teenager. 13, it's your first as a teenager. 16, you drive. 18, you get to vote and shoot. And then 21. And then that's it. One birthday a year for the, you know, when you hit the major milestones, 30, 40, 50, you get to celebrate. The rest of them, shut up, go to work. And while I think it's a funny bit. I, I don't necessarily agree with it. I think so much. Uh, I, I, th- I think life has a tendency to wear us down if we let it. That it is such an important thing to take those moments, step back, and find reason to celebrate. You know, we to- we just celebrated St. Patrick's Day, and for a lot of people, it's an excuse to drink beer, which is fine. If if if. If you need a day on the calendar to force you to slow down and to do something that is enjoyable for you, then take it. Whether it's your half birthday, whether it's your birthday, whether, I mean, it, you know, make, you know, scale it commiserate with, with you know, sure. how important the day itself is. But yeah, like, do you want to go eat Mexican food just because it's May 5th? Have fun.
1: And I think that's it. I think people don't realize you have to work at happiness people think you either get happy or you're not and it's amazing i want to talk about very few things i think control your happiness
0: other than the decision to be happy i think and and you and i for the most part agree on this i I disagree slightly not on principle but just knowing that it's it's harder for some people than it is others you and I both know people that could make the decision when they wake up tomorrow to be happy and that wouldn't be enough to I mean it, they would get closer but but it's not so but you're right attitude makes such a difference
1: Well it's interesting cuz I've known two guys here at the cigar shop that have more money than I'll ever have and I'll more power to them awesome but both of them are just absolutely miserable
0: and all, so it's not money. I was talking about one of those uh, earlier this week. Yeah, it's it's not, and and the thing that's important, I think, is that it's different for everybody. You know, what makes me happy and what makes you happy are there are a lot of there's a lot of overlap, but there's not. I guess I should phrase that differently because it's the the activities and the things don't make us happy, but the things that we find enjoyment in. I guess would be a better way of phrasing that.
1: Well, so Dennis Prager says it the best. You have a moral obligation to be happy. The same as you have an obligation to brush your teeth, the same as you have an obligation to take a bath, to not stink, to comb your hair. You, it's part of the social contract is not to be the person
0: that sucks all the joy out of a room. I'm, I, I appreciate the sentiment. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree slightly. You have a moral obligation and a social obligation to be pleasant. I don't think you owe anybody happiness. Why not? Because, because again, this is where, where you and I... Well, but it, answer me this. What's the upside for you if you're sitting here
1: and I come in and I sit down? And, you know, people come in and say all the time, Hey, Shane, how are you? And I usually say bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. We're going back to our squirrel topic. Or I'm doing awesome. I'm doing great. You've never heard me say, Oh, I've had a rough day. This customer drugged me over the coals. This "Cause I would never burden them with
0: my problems. No, but I don't think that's uh, I I think that's, you know, conflating a couple of different issues. I don't think that's necessarily the definition of of, of an obligation to happiness. I think I think that's being pleasant. That's how I would divide you know. Finding finding joy in everything that you do is kind of how I would quantify happiness in in the realm of the way we're talking about it. Overall, it, not, you've got to look at the happy people are happy at the macro level. Now that doesn't mean that happy people can't have a bad day, you know, and it doesn't mean that grumpy people can't have good days, and so. You know, I, but I think it does boil down to pleasantry. You know, um, I, I used to work with. A woman, every time she asked me how my day was going, awesome. It, to the point that it became a joke. She, I'm not even going to ask because I know you're going to say awesome. Yeah, I am. Well, it does something for your mind. It
1: does something for you not to not to encourage that line of thinking. To have to come up with a reason to feel good. It does something. There's no benefit. There's no forget about. Let's even forget about the social contract. If a
0: person walks up to you and you tell them how bad off you are, is it really helping you at all? No, it's not. But I, 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 think, I think it's also important if, because you can, you can let some of your joy, some of your happiness rub off on other people. And depending on where on that scale, I don't think it's binary. You're either happy or unhappy. I think you, you exist somewhere on that scale. Speaking on the micro, micro level at this point. So, uh, but, but I also organized like you could be having a dog turd of a day and you don't know, you don't owe anybody saying my life is fantastic. If you don't feel it, why not? Because it's disingenuous at best. But uh,
1: if you say it, perception is reality. If you say it and you feel the need to feel
0: it, it will change. It is. But if you're the type of person that, that has insidious thoughts you know, the, the, the kind of thing where whatever's got your day being such a bad day is something you can't turn off. You can't stop thinking about it. This, it's, it's, a, it's a qualifiable medical condition. This is not me just saying, woe is some people. This is No, there's, there's a legitimate um, diagnosis associated with intrusive thoughts. And so it, it's not that there's any benefit from wallowing. Is that some people can't stop.
1: Uh, anybody can stop. I think you, you either are in charge of your mental faculties and you decide to take charge of them or you don't.
0: I, I think I think mentality plays a lot into it. I'm not disagreeing with that. But there are legitimate medical and scientific diagnoses and issues that, that factor into that conversation. And it's not as simple as just, hey, get over it.
1: Okay, but let's do this. Anytime we have a conversation... I want to remove the top 10% and the bottom 10%. If you remove the bottom 10%, the people that just can't help their self, they're they're miserable, and you remove the top 10% that are just the people that have been born under a, a blessed cloud and everything has fallen their way in life every time. You know, every time they roll a dice, they roll a seven. If you remove that percentage,
0: I'm talking about the 80% in the middle. Yeah, I, and I think that percentage is smaller than you think. Yeah, probably And that's, that's Again, this is the difference in our philosophies I think Because a lot of the times when we disagree Or have conversations that get a little In the weeds It comes from a place of Personal responsibility Versus Social responsibility I still believe That we have a personal Responsibility to our own actions To our own emotions, first and foremost but I also believe that we have a certain obligation as a part of living in society that we need to consider the well-being and the experiences of others. And I, I I don't think that those two things are mutually exclusive. I get the impression from some of the political discussions that you and I have had that those things are a bit more separated for you. I'm not saying you're denying the existence of, of other people's experiences, but I think those two things are, are a bit more separate for, for you than they are for me. I cannot think about... My own happiness and my own well being without thinking about other people's experiences. Why? It's just not the way I'm wired. You know. And I don't think that there's a problem with that. Accepting, you know,
1: so we're going to break this down just a little bit further. I want to talk about, so there's certain characteristics that happy people have, and there's certain characteristics that unhappy people have. To me, one of the number one characteristics happy people have is they accept the power they have and its limits. You know, okay, I voted for Trump in the last election. I did not want Joe Biden up there under no condition. I thought it was a terrible ideal. But the limit of my power was to go vote. Right. And I was outvoted. It's over. It's done. You don't hear me griping about it a lot. And so... The limits accepting the limits of my power is I think that that's huge, and I and I think that's where some of this social responsibility comes in that you're talking about. There's only so much you can do, and if you forestall all your happiness, if you say you're never going to drive a Lexus as long as there's hunger in this country, all you're really doing is ever keeping yourself from driving
0: a Lexus. True, and uh, yeah, I mean, but what you're talking about is drinking the poison and hoping it kills the other guy, and and I think. Um, You know I, I, If I were to boil it down And because we've talked about this on the show before I used to be a really miserable sod I mean when I was in my early 20s I was an unhappy Just miserable SOB Then he met me folks Oh, No and, but we've talked about it on the show I woke up I had an experience Where I went full Karen on somebody And obviously That wasn't the terminology at the time And at the end of that experience, I just kind of had a an aha moment and I went, that's not the person I want to be. Like that was that was not okay. And I made a conscious decision to work on it. And it's tough. And for the last couple of months, I have not been doing as good a job as I once did. And so that's a, you know, that kind of come back into focus. It's funny how those things become second nature to us and we take for granted the work we put into getting there in the first place. But for me, I would say if I were to break it down into characteristics that, that happy people have versus unhappy people have, I would say blaming, and there's a, there's a limit to this, blaming self versus blaming others. Why did he do that to me versus what I can learn from it, kind of, kind of a situation.
1: It's not only that, it's also the fact of owning it. Mm-hmm. When I make a mistake on my plans, I just own it. Yeah. Hey, I made this mistake. I'm fixing it. Not going to let it happen again, but I'm not built to be perfect. I made a mistake. I just own it. I don't say, oh, well, that day, you know, my dog get hit, got hit by a semi and I was, you know, my foot was caught in a bear trap while I was trying to draw that house.
0: Or even more than, more than that, because this is something I see um, relatively frequently, which is, well, why didn't you stop me from making that mistake? Well, you didn't give me the time I needed to be able to do a double check because you put me under such a deadline. So it's, it's your fault I messed up. Or it's, and, and it's always finding an excuse of, of you know gaslighting whoever you're talking to or just being able to pass the blame off. And that defensiveness and that, that seeking to, to blame others versus taking recognition and, and self-reliance on your decision-making, I think, I think it goes hand-in-hand with what you were saying. about. Well,
1: and there's even another step to that. I don't give unsolicited advice. And uh, I don't. If people want, are telling me about their career, how their career is going, how the direction is going, what they're thinking about, if they don't say to me, Shane, what do you think I should do, I ain't gonna tell them what I think I should do. Right. And uh, now, is that me passing on responsibility, or is that me waiting? At, you know, till the student is ready, the teacher has no need to teach.
0: It. I think it. I think that's a. I think that's something that comes from having a job where you're forced to carry E&O insurance. <laughs> I think that's a certain learned behavior of when you're forced for the uninitiated um, errors and omissions. So basically, if you give professional advice that goes belly up, you can be held liable. Insurance agents, realtors, uh, any number of other professional people have to carry this, accountants, um, so, if you've ever worked in a job where you had to think about the consequences of the words and the advice you give, I think, I think that kind of come. I, I think there's a certain element of having that focus that, that makes you more likely to, to think the way you're just describing.
1: Well, and there's also a time when, when I'm drawing a house for people that I just say, well, you can't see it from my house and draw what they want. Right. And I'll, I think the number one characteristic of unhappy people is an obsession with
0: politics. So it's interesting, and we, you and I can talk about this off the air because we're running out of time to really get into it, although I am having a delightful time. Um, this, this show has gone by quick. I think, again, this goes to the differences in people, I think. Some people are wired to, and that's not to say there's not an amount of work that you can do to overcome this, but I think certain people are wired to think about things that they don't have control over and there are people that don't. And and politics falls into that category because outside of voting for your city councilman, there's really not much you can do.
1: I definitely think it's a learned <laughs> behavior. I don't think it's a wiring. I think if you feed that wolf, if you feed the politic wolf, if all you do is watch Fox News or CNN or C-SPAN or any of the other news channels that I never turn on, if you're constantly feeding that it becomes so intrusive on your life; it spills out.
0: Yeah, no, it it, it absolutely does. You know, it's it, they used to, you know when we were growing up, our parents used to say, you know, you're only as good as the company you keep, or some version of that. You know, and basically, what it amounts to is garbage in, garbage out. You know, if all you're ingesting day to day is negativity and bad news and anger and vitriol, well, that's what your body is going to be made out of. You know, just like you wouldn't expect to be able to eat 30 cheeseburgers and go run the Boston Marathon. You've got to train yourself by exposing yourself to the people who behave the way, in a way that you want to model, who think the way that you want to think and and who have happiness and, and aspirations and all that stuff similar to you.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, I think there's a, there's an interesting point. I think you're right. I think this topic could go on for six or seven shows. In our life, but I do think, don't be so. You know, as it pertains to the cigar shop, don't be the politics guy. Don't be the guy that comes in here. You know, we ran one off one night. He actually laid down two thirds of a cigar and left because and we a bottle of
0: water. Yeah, <laughs> just because bought. we
1: wouldn't engage with him on his idiocy. Right. And all, and I think there's, I think there's some of that that you just don't engage. You don't have to engage on the guy that all he does is watch Fox News, and you don't have to engage on the guy that all he does is watch CNN. Right. You know, hey, and I've said it before, hey, please don't ruin my cigar with your politics. Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear anything about politics. We're having a cigar here. Let's talk about fishing. Let's talk about something. that. Tell me
0: something you enjoy in life. Well, speaking of something that you enjoy, before we go sit over in these chairs and talk more about politics and heavy stuff, tell me about your cigar. Rate it.
1: This has gotta be a six and a half scaring six and three quarter to death. Absolutely I,
0: it is. I feel like I've handed out a lot of those lately. But man, we're smoking some good cigars lately. They're, they're and cigars. I've provided two of them.
1: And you have <laughs> and the cigars are coming on strong. Yeah. I mean really good cigars. This is just I've got I've had that sweetness through the whole thing. Yeah. I've had but I've not had that flavored cigar sweetness. This is right. natural, well treated, good tobacco.
0: This is just a a profound flavor. I will say this is a unique flavor. It is, it is, and I think the Andujo does a lot for that. I also think it's just a uniquely blended cigar. I'm not going to give Andujo all the credit because Rodriguez obviously knew what he was going after when he created this cigar. Yeah, it. uh, Part of me wonders, and we'll have to next time we have a a industry insider on the show, which hopefully will be within the next couple of weeks. I want to talk about the release schedule and how far in advance these, because I'm I'm looking at the cigars that have just come out in the last couple of months since we turned the corner on 2021, and I'm wondering how much of this is response from the previous year, you know, because most cigar companies had set record profits, you know, how much of this is them like turning around and reinvesting and and you know in into the product, or how many of these were already planned that far in advance that that didn't have.
1: Well, and are we getting a double dose? Did they post is it like movies? Have they postponed a couple of releases because of covid and now we're just kind of getting a glut of good cigars coming in but um yeah, what are you thinking of Yeah, me? I'm thinking six and a half
0: yeah, yeah and I, I think it could get to seven pretty easy I, I think so too i want I want to have at least a couple more before I make sort of a final overarching, but right now this cigar this day it's absolutely a six and a half.
1: Well, and it'll make me far more likely to buy the next one of the Arcana series.
0: Absolutely. And also, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at infothecigarcast.com, at Facebook.com slash The Cigar Cast, and Instagram and Twitter at The Cigar Cast.
1: Well, thank you, everyone, this, for being here this week. Until next week, smoke a great cigar and think well of us.